Welcome to the first episode of 2019 for United on Wheels, United's Finals podcast about life as a wheelchair user. I'm your host, Ian Ruder. I'm a United's Final employee, the editor of New Mobility, and a quad who's been around long enough to know how important healthy living is if you have a spinal cord injury. Luckily, that's going to come in handy today because healthy living happens to be today's theme. It may seem like common sense to say that embracing a healthy lifestyle is a smart thing to do if you're living with a spinal cord injury, but actually understanding what works best for your body and how having a spinal cord injury or disorder affects that isn't always so simple. Even if you do know what you should or could be doing, figuring out practical ways to align your body and mind with those desired results can be even harder. I've figured out some good strategies and practices over the last 21 years, but I'm really excited for today's podcast because I'm joined by two highly knowledgeable and awesome women who have made careers out of helping people live more healthily. And I can't wait to tap into their wisdom for my benefit and of course for yours. First off, you may know her from her regular column in New Mobility called Eat Well, or you may have read the book she co-authored, Eat Well, Live Well with Spinal Cord Injury and Other Neurological Conditions. I'm thrilled to welcome Joanne Smith. In addition to her column and book, Joanne is a certified nutritionist who has made a career out of helping people with spinal cord injury better understand their nutritional needs. She's an experienced public speaker and TV personality and an award-winning advocate. Joanne, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And second up, I'm joined by someone who's done a little bit of everything from being Miss Wheelchair California to advocating for disability rights to working as a product spokesperson for tons of cool companies. She's a writer, a holistic life coach, and the founder of Flower of Life Retreats. It's my pleasure to welcome Christina Rhodes. On top of all the things hey. I mentioned, oh, sorry, I, 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 I screwed that up, but there's so many things to say. I was also going to say she's a proud homeschool mom, and she's really passionate about empowering people to live uh, the happiest, healthiest version of themselves. Sorry, Christina, welcome. Uh, Ian, thank you so much. I'm I'm really honored to be on the show. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm really excited. This is going to be great. Uh, before we get started, one thing I want to mention, which we mentioned on previous podcasts, uh, is just to make clear that on this format, you know, none of us are really certified to give out medical advice. We don't know you. We're here because we want to help out by providing resources and sharing our stories and knowledge. So if you're dealing with a serious medical issue or something you know, very pressing, I would encourage you to go to your healthcare professional or someone who knows, you know, what you're dealing with, because uh, we're hoping to help, but we're, we're limited in that. So uh, with all that in mind, uh, I thought we could start off by both of you guys sharing a little bit more about yourselves and why healthy living is important to you. Uh, so maybe, Christina, let's start with you. Can you tell us what a holistic life coach is and a little bit more about what uh, Flower, of Re- uh, Flower of Life Retreats does? Yeah, absolutely, Ian. Thanks. Um, so a, a holistic life coach is is just approaching wellness from a place where you, you know, from the understanding that it's more than about just one component. So, you know, we, our bodies, our, our emotional well-beings, our minds, um, often our, our spiritual state, you know, how we feel spiritually, it all, um, is incorporated into our overall wellness and the the state of our mind for example actually really affects our physical body our physical body and conditions that we get and things like that and so um it's it's just you know to 
helping people retrain how they really approach health and look at it really from a, a, a bigger perspective, an overall perspective. Um, and Flower Life Retreats um, is a, a an accessible retreat experience that is held here in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, um, where I moved to two years ago. Um, and really, it came from me being a life coach for all these years. I, I think I attended my first uh, tr- retreat training to learn how to, you know, support and um, kind of counsel my peers when I was in middle school. And so I've been on this path for a long time, and I've always felt very passionate about helping people grow and helping people find um, better happiness and a better a better state of living. Um, and so that's kind of brought me down this path. And, and over the years working in the disability industry, it really came to my attention, kind of as you were saying in the beginning, how how much, um, you know, our our mental status and just the idea of, you know, having a disability influences our physical health and and how healthy we think we can be. So that that's kind of what, what goes behind the coaching and why I started the retreats to give people an experience to find uh, improved wellness. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Joanne, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and uh, how you got involved with nutrition? Sure. So I run a nutrition practice, and I primarily focus on people with neurological conditions, so spinal cord injuries, brain injuries, MS, cerebral palsy. And the reason I got into it, probably very personal reasons, is I've been living with a spinal cord injury for over 30 years, and I've probably had pretty much every secondary health complication that's associated with a spinal cord injury, from pain to weight gain to um, digestive dysfunction, and I was really frustrated with the kind of traditional treatment, which is to write a prescription, and, you know, you take that, but then associated with a lot of prescriptions, medical prescriptions or side effects, and then you get given another prescription to deal with the side effect, and it becomes a really vicious cycle, and I found that I was actually getting sicker and sicker, not healthier, and dealing with uh, just an overwhelming amount of secondary health complications. So I realized I really need to wipe the slate clean. And when I changed my diet, it really changed my life in so many ways. And so I really wanted to help other people in similar situations. And there really wasn't any other companies out there, individuals that were working with nutrition specifically as part of the overall rehabilitation and long-term health care for people with neurological conditions. So I started my own business, and I've been doing it now for 10 years. And, um, yeah, I, I love what I'm doing. And I wrote the book about six years ago, and it was the first book written specifically on nutrition for people with spinal cord injuries and other neurological conditions. And there's a real need out there for it because it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of people with disabilities are still viewed uh, with the old medical model, which is if you have a disability, you're sick, which is still not true. So there just hasn't traditionally been a lot of focus on nutrition and overall health for people with disabilities and specifically spinal cord injuries. So that's how I came to do what I'm doing today. Yeah, that's really cool. I think I love that you know, everyone says – Oh, she, she wrote the book on something, but you actually did write the book on nutrition and spinal cord injury. So you, you've got that one under your belt. Uh, since you've written that book, what has the reception been like? I mean, what, what do you get from people when you meet people with spinal cord injuries um, who are interested in finding out more? Are they coming from the same background you are where they've just been told one thing and haven't really had people focus on this or? Yeah, we, we get people from all over the world. I, I co-wrote the book with another nutritionist, 
And we get people contacting us all over the world who say, oh, you know, thank God I found you. And I've been looking for something like you. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's relief. That's usually the response we get is, I wish I had something like this when I was going through rehab. Or I wish I had this sooner before my pressure sore developed. So I say the overwhelming response is relief. So it really goes to show the need for this kind of information and for this kind of service. So as, as much as we can get this information out there, which is why I'm so happy to do, be doing this show with you guys today, because it's just so important because there, we know there is a huge prevalence of secondary complications that people in our community face, and yet there's not a lot of action taking place to address it. So every little bit that I can do to help um, is great. So obviously we encourage people to go out and, you know, buy the book and read your column. But can you give us a couple of top-level takeaways for people who are listening who maybe haven't read any of your work about some of the things that they should know regarding SCI and nutrition? Uh, a couple things. Um, one is food of comfort. So when you're injured, people tend to eat all the wrong foods, the sugar-laden foods, um, the wrong fats and all the carbs, and they gain weight very quickly. And I understand during the initial stages of injury that food is comfort. You've lost a lot of control over your life, your arms, your legs, where you live, maybe your job, what you can do. So food becomes comfort, and it's an issue of control. But when you eat too much that too long, it's too easy to gain weight when you don't have the same ability to work those calories off. So one of the big things is you must decrease the amount of calories that you're eating. You cannot eat the same amount of calories that you were pre-injury. So that's a big one, and it's a huge one because you are shifting habits, food habits. So you're shifting everything that you, um, the amount of foods you're eating, how you cook them, what you're shopping for. So it's a lifestyle change on top of a huge lifestyle change. But it's really important because once you gain that weight with a spinal cord injury, it is so hard to lose it so you don't want to gain it in the first place and the other thing i would say um and this is it, it seems like a no-brainer but um it's sugar it's getting rid of sugar and we all know like refined sugar the white sugar you might put in your coffee you know you stop doing that we know it's not good for you but there's so many hidden sugars whether it be in processed bread and refined rice uh, refined pasta and the problem with sugar for people with spinal cord injuries is we tend to be systemically inflamed and what that means is it weakens your immune system. It can contribute to pain. So because we tend to be systemically inflamed, when you eat sugar, sugar is a highly inflammatory food, you are weakening your immune system that much more. You're potentially contributing to more neuropathic pain. So the big ones is get rid of the refined sugar and reduce the amount of calories you're consuming because if you gain that weight, then you're at risk for other secondary conditions like type 2 diabetes, stroke, cardiovascular disease, and you just don't want to go down that path. So prevention, 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 it's huge. And those are two big takeaways, I'd say, right off the bat. And you mentioned before, uh, you know, that it, what you learned, it really had a big impact personally on your life, you know, as someone who has a spinal cord injury. Are there, what are some of the other ways that it's impacted you over the last 30 years? Um, I, I had horrible neuropathic pain. Um, like I was on pain meds uh, every single day, and it affects your ability to function. And I had a very, um, you know, high-pressure job, and it affected my ability to hit deadlines and my energy levels and just being able to do what I needed to do. So by changing my diet, it's remarkable. The weight came off. The pain decreased significantly. My energy levels went up. 
I just was feeling so much better um, and, and just less infections, less sickness. So it's a domino effect and it's incredible. Like I was actually amazed myself, the, the changes that I experienced and I've seen it with other clients that I have when they clean up their diet, small changes can make a big difference. And when you can make some small changes and people start to feel better, function better, that's the motivation to keep on going. So it's a lifestyle change. And I prepare people for that when I sit down and start working with them. Um, and you need you know, to make the commitment to, to make this change in your life. And it's yeah. a big commitment, but it's worth it, totally worth it. Definitely. On the same line, Christina, for yourself, have you always embraced the kind of the holistic approach to this, or is it something that you discovered, you know, down the line after you you were injured, or how how did you come to that? Yeah, Ian, I got hurt when I was ten months old um, from uh, domestic violence, um, and so I, you know, kind of grew up your normal kid. Uh, my mom always had a garden and always, um, you know, we were always very active and outside. So I think I was given some good habits to start with, but, um, you know, the whole kind of mindfulness and meditation and um, really understanding, you know, how our stress and the state of our thoughts affects, you know, our, our bodies and our ability to achieve goals that we want and, you know, kind of back to the holistic approach, I definitely uh, found later um, I was kind of on this path that I wanted to, to get pregnant. I'd recently been married to my husband, and um, at the time, you know, I was in in my mid twenties, and at the time had um, you know had been injured, you know, since I was ten months old. So all, all my life, and I was on several different medications. Um, exactly what Joanne was saying about you know like one medication to fix the side effects of another medication and things that were supposed to be helping with things that I'm pretty sure were just harming me in some way and not even, you know, affecting the problem. Um, and so I uh, was doing radio back then and um, produced a radio show with some holistic health practitioners in our um, in our community and just was shocked at this whole nother world out there that, you know, that you could tap into and, and find ways to be healthy that have been, you know, tried and true, practiced for, you know, sometimes thousands, three to five thousand years, you know, some of these practices in Chinese medicine. Um, and so it kind of got me on this, um, you know, this whole new journey to really explore everything that's already out there, natural therapies, alternative therapies, complementary, you know, stuff. Um, and within, gosh, I don't know, a year and a half, I was off all of my medications and had a, an acupuncturist and a nutritionist and a physical trainer, um, and it really just changed my life. And, and at the time, I also got a life coach and started realizing how that, you know, impacted everything. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, you know, a, a victim of our, you know, not our condition or, our, you know, our environment or just how things, you know, are kind of traditionally done with spinal cord injuries um, kind of led me to find a better way. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned the, the idea of mindfulness. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and what that means to you and how people can embrace that? Yeah, so I, I guess like a, a technical definition of mindfulness is that it's the quality or state of being conscious or aware. And that sounds very, you know, general, aware of what or conscious of what. And 
it's really everything. Um, so we, I think we operate so much of our lives on this kind of autopilot mode, you know, because we do so many of the same things every day, have most of the thoughts that we think every day are from the day before and the day before. So we just were very repetitive creatures. Um, so we can go through a lot of our day, you know, doing our chores and driving to work and doing our daily tasks without ever really thinking about what we're doing or thinking about the food that we're eating and how it's, you know, fueling our body or, um, you know, when you're washing your hands, thinking about that it, it's nice that this water is warm, you know, and I live in a warm house and just kind of being aware of of life and this life that we're living um, but also being aware of our own thoughts, and I, I keep going back to that, but understanding that we ha if we have these repetitive negative thoughts that don't serve us, um, knowing that they actually harm our bodies and, and contribute to all sorts of other conditions like, um, you know, from digestive issues to, um, you know, blood pressure, you know, high blood pressure to headaches and, you know, insomnia and so many things that that stress and worry, um, you know, eventually become. Um, so that being mindful of, of our own thoughts and, and our own feelings and emotions that we have and knowing that we're in control of those instead of, you know, a victim to them or, you know, being controlled by them, knowing that if you always have an anger response to something that that you don't have to have that response, that you can kind of retrain your brain and, and reprogram those things that, that have come up um, as habits for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you, I'm interested in what both you guys see as some of the recurring obstacles or difficulties that um, people you've worked with face that are keeping them back from really embracing this healthy living and sort of the things you're talking about with, you know, a diet and mindfulness and all these things. Like what, what is, what are the things that make it hard or, or standing in our way? Uh, if I can jump in here, I should, um, yeah, the biggest thing I always joke that I should, you know, have a psychology degree on top of having my nutrition degree because the hardest thing I find is tapping into what motivates people to make the change. Everybody's needs, everybody's goals are different and everybody's motivations are different. So I can give people, you know, 10 different menu plans and tell them lists of foods to eat and avoid. But having people do it consistently every single day, every single meal, it is a massive commitment. And it is so hard to find that motivating factor that's going to keep people going. And that I become a cheerleader to a large degree in my job because I need people to keep going. It takes sometimes weeks to months to see and feel the differences when you change your diet and people are too willing to get up too easily. And I keep saying to them, if you just keep it going and you start to lose the weight or the pain goes down, it's worth it. You just have to keep it going. So, um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I need to maybe start doing some, um, pick up some the lifestyle coaches here, um, life coaching skills here to work with my clients because that is the biggest thing. So I, I need a lot of what I do is, is sitting down with people and saying, like, why do you want to do this? What is it? that is, you know, making you want to make these changes. And, and you have to keep reminding them that's why you're doing this. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. And even though some people may be very clear on why they want to do this, whether it's looking better, feeling better, um, they've just been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, you know, reversing that diagnosis, but they struggle along the way. And it, it's my job to keep them going. And some people aren't even clear on why they want to do it. They just probably should eat better. 
So I need to really map out with them, okay, let's write down some of the reasons why and make it personal because it is very personal and that's going to keep them going in the long run. But it's tough. It really is. So that is my biggest challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally hear you. And that's it's interesting. People uh, are much less motivated when they're doing something that they think they should be doing versus that they must do because they they have no choice. It's something that they're called to do. You know, so I, I totally understand. I think you can probably relate that finances are always something that comes up. Um, so I'm sure with, you know, people buying healthier foods, you know, they they worry that they can't afford that. And same with seeking out some alternative therapies. So acupuncture or a personal trainer or, you know, these these types of things, yoga, they can be expensive, especially if you live in a city or you're somewhere where it's kind of become this like fashionable trend. You know, these things can be expensive and often insurance companies and especially um, our, you know, a lot of the insurance companies that we deal with aren't willing to pay for any sort of alternative therapy anymore. So it can be a scary thing for somebody to know that it's, it's like you're defeated before you even get can try it, before you can even get started. Um, but I've found that if you kind of seek out these people and let them know that you want to you wanna try, that you want to feel better, that you want to do better, that there may be opportunities, there may be local scholarships, a lot of practices um, need for tax purposes to write off some clients, um, especially if you're able to spread the word to some other people that might be able to pay. So it's something to just try to pursue, I think, even if you're worried um, that, that money is going to be an issue. And then, Joanne, you may want to jump in about food. I know that there's ways to do that, too, to eat better without breaking the bank. Yeah, it is something I do a lot. I do a lot of workshops and just sitting down with people when I do menu plans with them um, because, you know, I'm up here in Canada and a large, well, I'd say the majority of people with disabilities are unemployed. So for sure, economics is an issue. Um, and there is the belief that you can't eat well um, without having a lot of money. And But that's one thing I, I try and break that myth with people because you can't eat well on a budget. It's just planning and it's relearning what to cook and what to make and what to buy. And, you know, buying chickpeas and legumes, lentils, they're much more inexpensive than, say, meat. And there are ways to go shopping to keep your budget down. Like just for an example, shop on the outskirts, um, the ring around the grocery store. Don't go down those middle aisles with all the packaged foods. That's where your expenses can go up. Shop on certain days where things go on sale, like a Saturday night or a Monday morning, Monday evening. Things tend to be cheaper. And make, you know, a few vegetarian meals throughout the week. That can keep your budget down, too. And don't don't be so ready to throw food out um, when vegetables start to wilt. Make a soup. Make a soup. There are ways around it. Um, buying in bulk. We have things in Canada, stores called the Bulk Barns, and you can get great healthy foods, um, quinoa, for example, you can buy it in bulk. And it's a great and expensive way to make dishes that keep in your fridge and Tupperware up to, you know, three to five days, you know, to keep making new meals. And you don't have to reheat it. It can be eaten hot, cold. When you first make it hot, but you can eat it cold the rest of the week. So there are simple, easy, and inexpensive, nutrient-dense ways to eat well, but, you know, it takes learning. I didn't know all this until I went to school and started learning all of this. And I, I thought I, eat, I ate relatively well until I went back to school. So it is, 
it is a lot of planning and learning, but it's worth it. But I I have to reassure people, you don't have to have a huge amount of money to eat well. You can do it well on a budget. And when you look at fast food, that's a huge myth. People often eat fast food because they can drive through and it's it's easy, convenient, and they think it's cheaper. But I'm telling you, I've done comparisons. I do charts with people and they show them what an average fast food meal will cost for one meal. And you can make a meal out of legumes for the same price that will last you three meals. So when I, when I show people this, then it's, you know, the light goes on and they realize, okay, I can do this. There are ways. It's just strategizing. Yeah, definitely. I want to come back to something you said, Christina, um, mentioning that sometimes people feel defeated before they get started on this. And I, I was going to ask, uh, along those lines, what would you guys say to someone, um, you know, maybe who has a new injury or is struggling with, you know, different aspects of kind of post-injury life who you bring up the idea of healthy living and they say, well, you know, I'm already broken. You know, I've got a spinal cord injury. You know, like I don't I don't see what the point of this is. I'm just kind of in this situation. What, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Yeah, um, I, I – I think it's something that we've, we, all of us have been there and, and felt that, you know, at least one time in our life and probably more often than that. Um, and I think the first thing, and Joanne talked, you know, talked about, about this, about kind of shifting a mind, the mindset. Uh, and that's really the first part of it is making sure somebody understands their value still. And that that is not related or connected in any way to your ability to use your legs or your hands or anything else. Um, that the power of our minds are so incredibly powerful. Um, you know, or the, you know, the ability of our minds and we can still do so many, you know, we can do everything in a different way. And so we got, but you know, it's easy to say that and it's kind of cliche, but really to like drive that point home. So one of the things that I teach when I'm, working with clients is this idea of, of self-efficacy. Um, and it's just really a person's belief in their own ability to accomplish any task. So somebody can have high self-efficacy and they pretty much believe like, yeah, you throw something my way, I can handle it. Or people can have lower self-efficacy and challenges kind of scare them off a little bit. And they, they really don't believe that they're able to accomplish things um, that they set, set their mind to. So I think that's kind of like a very powerful muscle, you know, if, if I can call it that, that to help somebody build, to, to help them um, kind of get acquainted with critical thinking, because that's one of our greatest skills as, as somebody who's differently able to be able to, to accomplish the things we need to accomplish in life, to figure it out a different way, and to look at that not, again, as like that you're defeated when you see a challenge, but knowing that you can use the power of your mind to figure out a way around it. And, you know, in the end, I often feel very, um, you know, I feel so accomplished when I, like, you know, I'm able to to conquer a, a challenging task or something that maybe other people didn't think I could do. I I feel... You know, I feel so much better about myself, you know, when I'm able to do that. And so I think helping people through that and then 
you know, when they can kind of understand that a little bit, knowing that, that they're in charge of their own wellness and that even the Western well, Western medicine can feel very defeating sometimes and labeling and, you know, you leave there thinking, well, gosh, you know, they've told me about pressure stores and they've told me about UTIs and all these scary things that are destined to come my way. Um, but knowing that with with that self-efficacy that you can believe that you can kind of take your own wellness into your hands and the way you think, the way you eat, you know, your physical activity as much as possible. Um, so <laughs> if that's, you know, kind of a long way around it. But no, 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 yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. It's really um, for me, it, it, it's showing people that they, you know, food can be a way to empower themselves. And it might sound silly. But people have lost so much control over their lives, their work, their bodies, and they feel often helpless in those early stages. But when you can explain to people that by using food and taking, you know, taking control of what you eat, you are taking control over other systems in your body, and that is going to long-term help them live a better quality of life before the pressure sores takes in, before the weight goes on. And it, it's shifting that mindset, um, as, as we were just talking about. It's so, so important. And I, I, we do. We get it. We've been there in those early stages. It's so hard to see this. But the earlier you can get in and work with people and talk to people and show them and educate them about the difference it can make in their lives long term, and that's um, so critical for me. I like to get in and talk to people when I can, you know, whether it's the rehab stages or even preferably the acute stages. So it's just empowerment. That's what I try and, and use this information and and what my knowledge is and what I've been learning over the last, you know, 10 years and practicing in this way is it can make such a difference in your life. Um, you know, you're feeling better about yourself. You're looking better. And it's just, you know, it goes a, a long way. And, it's, again, I said it before, prevention, 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 before all these secondary conditions kick in you know, eat well and live well. Yeah, for sure. So say I want to eat well and live well and be mindful and I want to do all these things. I'm pumped after listening to the podcast, but, you know, I live in a small town kind of in the middle of nowhere. Where do I turn? What, what kind of resources can I look for maybe locally or on the Internet? Or what, what advice would you guys give to somebody who wants to get started and really embrace this but just doesn't know where to go? Uh, I think, I mean, there's lots of information on the internet, but it's become very confusing, especially with spinal cord injury, because there's a lot of conflicting information. Where do you start? Um, I think the big thing is just with SBI, cut out the refined stuff, like get rid of the pop, get rid of the juice, get rid of all the extra sugars, eat clean, just get rid of processed foods. Um, we all grew up our generation on processed foods, fast foods. They're quick, easy, and convenient, but they are void of nutrients, void of fiber, void of all the things that we need. So it's just eating whole foods. When I say whole foods, it's eating foods in the package that they were grown in. So, you know, a banana in its skin, an apple in its skin, um, a whole grain, a legume, like just nothing that's packaged. And it might seem overwhelming because where do you start? Just have a can of chickpeas, drain it, chop up a cucumber, and put some olive oil in it. That's a really good, healthy meal. It'll fill you up. It's got lots of nutrients in it. And just get rid of the packaged stuff. Stop going through the drive throughs It's 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 hard to start, but once you start living clean and eating clean, you just feel better, and you keep going with it. So small town, 
I would say just get rid of the packaged processed foods and avoid the drive throughs Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I, I'll talk, you know, to, right now, talk a little bit about meditation because I think it's a good place to start that kind of helps with a lot of the other, you know, other things that we're worried about, like sleep and stress. And we're talking about being mindful and being aware of our thoughts. But sometimes, you know, we're just so busy. It's hard to do that unless we like take time out to to actively you know, intentionally have that stillness. Um, and so meditation is something that I know in talking to people can be super intimidating, just the sound of it. You know, I remember when I wanted to get started and I was kind of curious about it, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I was asking people, how do I do it? And, you know, I just felt like something like I needed to learn, like I needed to take a class, somebody teach me, because when I try to be still, my mind wanders. So I don't think I can. And I think everybody feels this way. Um, and so it really is about taking it, taking baby steps. So taking five minutes at a time, if that's, you know, if you're just beginning and you're, you feel like your mind is super active, finding a place where you're comfortable. It could be in your home. I don't like it to be a cluttered space because you can just, you know, we don't feel our best in those spaces. So maybe it's outdoors at a park. Maybe it's, you know, in your favorite room of the house on, you know, you can be in your chair if that's where you're most comfortable or when you get in bed at night, you know, wherever you're comfortable. Um, and you often when people get started, an aid is helpful. So luckily, in the age of the Internet, you can go on YouTube or, you know, any of the audio streaming programs that you listen to um, and type in meditation, guided meditations and have thousands of options. And you can try a few and. Um, play a voice, find a voice that you like, and they can walk you through some, you know, peaceful vision, or maybe just music is something you, some, you know, flutes or some drumming, um, that, that makes you feel calm. So some sort of something that you can listen to in the beginning is oft often helpful to help kind of when you, when your mind starts to wander, you can kind of get back to that place of stillness and then focus on your breathing. So, Breathing in and breathing out and doing it intentionally, which is something we never do, is pay attention really to our breath, the, the thing that keeps us alive. So intentionally breathing and spending five minutes intentionally breathing in and out, trying to clear your mind and thinking of something that makes you feel good, um, someone or some experience that makes you feel good, um, and just having that stillness, being present for that five minutes will surprise you so much. So you can get off your meditation pillow and suddenly feel more relaxed. Or if you do it before bed, you may sleep better. You'll notice really right away little things that that feel better in your life. Um, and then just like, you know, any skill that you learn, you can slowly build up. Um, and so now I do, traditionally I do about 20 minutes, um, or regularly I do about 20 minutes a day, um, and I can do it anywhere. I like to do it on an airplane when it feels very busy and hectic. I put my headphones in and put on a meditation and kind of just be still and then, you know, for a moment forget even that I'm surrounded by hundreds of people. Um, and so I think meditation is a great place to start, again, to, to kind of get to these other places, to get to being more mindful when you're not meditating. Um, it's just kind of getting acquainted with that, that, you know, kind of interconnection um, and that, that stillness that is so important for us as a platform to to pursue these other things. Definitely. Yeah, you guys, so much great advice. Um, I'm 
just I think there's a lot of really valuable stuff here. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to make sure to give you both just a minute to kind of plug what you're doing and maybe give people some uh, direct people to, who are interested in to resources or where they can find more information from both of you, um, either online or elsewhere. So maybe Christina, if you want to start off with just um, you know your own little spiel about whatever you want to say and whatever anything if there's anything you didn't cover today that you wanted to get out there too. Yeah, Ian, no, thank you. I really appreciate you having us on, and it's been great listening to Joanne. I always um, learn learn a lot from my colleagues, you know, that are into wellness, and it's, you know, it's a good thing to come together, and um, no, I appreciate appreciate the invitation. Um, so uh, there will be definitely an annual women's retreat uh, for women on wheels here and, and truth or consequences, but I also do individual retreats for somebody coming out of rehab or, you know, a person in their family or a couple or, um, a, you know, a small group of friends that are in wheelchairs, whatever it may be. So people can reach out if they're interested in, in coming to town and, um, you know, taking advantage of, of the, the healing, um, really features and properties that this town just kind of naturally offers. They, we have hot springs natural mineral hot springs here and many different alternative health practitioners and um, studios and things like that. So people can come, you know, soak that up and in some desert sunshine. Um, but also be at Abilities Expo LA um, at the end of February or near the end of February. I'll have a, a free life coaching booth so people can come by and we can talk about, you know, kind of life goals and, and general wellness. And we can talk about meditation and mindfulness or or whatever it is they'd like to talk about. Um, we can talk about popping wheelies or women's health or, you know, anything like that. So um, that's February 22nd through 24th, again, in Los Angeles, Abilities Expo. And you can check out abilities.com for more information about, about that or their shows. Um, but And uh, I have a website, christinaroads.com is how you can find me and, and connect with me or email me or get more information about what I do and um, stay up to date on retreats. So. Thanks again, Ian. Yeah, definitely. I'll def I'm going to be at Abilities Expo also, so I'll look forward to I'll look forward to catching up and maybe getting some personal life coaching there. All right. Yeah. Well, look forward to seeing you, buddy. Uh, Joanne. Unfortunately, I will not be in LA. Um, I'm actually stuck here in Canada in a snowstorm right now. I wish I was going to be there. Um, but if you want to get some more information on eating well. For, with a spinal cord injury, you can go to eatwelllivewellwithsci.com. The information's there. Or to contact me directly, my website is fruitfulelements.com. So thank you so much. Enjoyed this very, very much and appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you guys both. This was, I think, one of the best ones, best ones we've met conversations that we've had yet. And uh, hopefully, people can get, hopefully people can get a lot out of this. So thanks for making the time and thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll be back in the future.